This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, a continuation of our conversation yesterday, should we be paying more for our public health care? We'll start off by exploring that with public health specialist Dr. Fahan Rusli, and then really, we just want to hear from you. Tell us, do you think we should pay more for public health care? You can call 7733 send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And um, as I said, today's topic actually came about um, as a number of listener messages yesterday pointed out that uh, really there is... There's very little way to fix flaws in our healthcare system if we don't think about overall what we're paying for healthcare in the country. Yeah, and this is not the first time it's come up, right? Because lots of people have argued that the medical fees of one ringgit and five ringgit um, in Ministry of Health facilities is unsustainable. So one ringgit is for outpatient care, five ringgit is for specialist care. And that is clearly objectively, incredibly affordable. Um, the former health minister, Kairi Jamaluddin, did say that the re- uh, the revenue from this me- one and five ringgit medical fees accounted in the end for only 1% of the total amount spent on public health care, pointing out that it's unsustainable and it put additional pressure on federal expenditure. Um, others include Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy CEO, Azro Kalib, who um, basically said that because of a growing volume of patients, increasing complexity of diseases and an ageing population, this current system just isn't sustainable. So the sustainability, of course, is something that has been talked about before, but that obviously just need, also needs to be balanced out by why is public health care so affordable in the first place, right? Because the idea is that it should be accessible to as many people as we possibly can serve in the country. Um, so what does it mean when we talk about raising what healthcare costs and what people can afford to pay when it comes to the healthcare system? And how many people are affected by this? Yes. Because at the moment, the public healthcare system caters to about 65% of the population. The expectation generally being that people who can afford to pay more self-select out of the public health healthcare system and go private um, so that they have shorter waiting times, so, uh, you know, so, and because they can afford that extra comfort and speed mm. in many ways. So where the rest of that money comes from as well, since the one in five ringgit payments only account for so little, it's mainly financed by general revenue and taxes collected by the government. There are also additional charges for medical prescriptions, but that's really it. So I think um, this question of improving our healthcare coming hand in hand with how much we pay for it has a few layers, right? Because we're talking not just about the nuts and bolts money, how much the money is going to improve things, but there's also whether or not we in turn would 
value the system a little bit more, whether we would treat it with a little bit more care, which in some ways is also our water bill argument. So there are similarities there. So you mentioned uh, Kyrie earlier. He talked about how uh, the government was studying future-proofing ideas when it comes to how we finance our healthcare. Uh, and then more recently, on the 6th of February, the Deputy Health Minister, Luka Nisman Awang Sauni, said that the Ministry of Health is in the final phase of preparing their health white paper, that this will involve new basic policies for the national health services sector. Uh, that said, um, we don't have any concrete um, answers yet in terms of what this sustainability can look like, what it means in terms of long-term ability to finance our healthcare. There have been suggestions or responses. So Azrul Mohamed Khalib from Galen, for instance, thinks that um, there are there is potential for, for instance, co-payments or cost sharing when it comes to healthcare that can be shared between the patient and the government. Um, there are also uh, suggestions from uh, for a tiered payment system based on people's income or pe- people's um, uh, ability to pay or access healthcare. So there are solutions that we could be looking at. But as of yet, I think... Um, This is an urgent issue that needs to be talked about uh, because it essentially enters every conversation we have about improving our healthcare. Now, having said that, some people are not in favour, right? So Chia Tak Wing, who is the chairman of the Malaysian Coalition of Ageing, said that the medical fees should be maintained, pointing out that now is not the time to increase the fees because people, particularly the B40, are struggling to recover from the pandemic. Uh, He also advised the government to differentiate the updated fees depending on household income, which I think is a point that we're going to return to quite a bit. So we would like to hear from you on this. Do you think we should pay more for public health care? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we will be speaking with Assistant Professor Dr. Farhan Rusli, Public Health Medicine Specialist from the International Islamic University of Malaysia. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Banana from Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about... We're talking about what healthcare costs, public healthcare costs in Malaysia, and whether we should be paying more um, as a way to improve the services overall. Uh, do send your thoughts in. Do you think we should pay more for public healthcare? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a WhatsApp or voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Assistant Professor Dr. Farhan Rusli, Public Health Medicine Specialist from the International Islamic University of Malaysia. Dr. Farhan, good to have you with us. Always great to be here. So this has been a conversation for the last year or so, the fact that our public health care fees are too low and there have been suggestions to raise or revise what we pay. Where do you stand on this? Well, I think we have to go back to the term of why this was uh, available in the first place. So we have to go back to the basis of it. It's accessibility to healthcare. We want to make sure everybody has access. But as we move on, we start to realize that not everybody should be given the access to healthcare for free because, as we know, a lot of people actually are able to afford um, the healthcare uh, services. So I think when we say whether we should raise it or not, I will always go on the line of targeted subsidies for the moment. I always say that subsidies are never the way forward for a country because it's never sustainable. You will always have an increase in the number of population. Malaysia has always been a booming country in population. So we have to think of 
other terms of healthcare financing right now to ensure that our healthcare access is still sustainable in the long run. So if we talk about uh, targeted subsidies, raising prices, what should this actually look like? How much are we talking about? What system could we use? Well, I think you have to look at it from two perspectives. Are we trying to just raise prices or are we trying to look at it as an overall uh, reform of the healthcare financing system? So if you're talking about just raising prices, then you would have to think about what is an actual rate uh, for a visit. Is it 50 ringgit? Is it 100 ringgit? And are the targeted subsidies um, given to those who are recipient of the uh, BRIM or the uh, B40 program? or those people who are unable to afford to, uh, who can't pay. So people who can pay, pay a certain amount. So 50 ringgit will be at the top of my head. But this is not sustainable because at a certain point, you're going to be starting to think, how are my workers, are my clerical staff going to be able to differentiate who are B40, who are not, are these people deserving? So you have to start thinking that just raising prices it's not going to elevate your problems or it's not going to solve your issues. You have to start thinking of a whole healthcare financing reform. So if you look at how um, some of the good models are there, you have to look at earmark taxation. So if you look at earmark taxation just for specific for healthcare, so you say 5% of everyone's pay is earmarked for healthcare. So even if the person just makes 1,000 ringgit a month, so he is asked to give 50 ringgit in contributions for the earmark taxation, and a person who makes 10,000 ringgit next to pay 500, the accessibility to healthcare can still be maintained. But we know that we are able to sustain uh, the healthcare financing and everybody pays the percentage of what they are afford or what they can afford to pay. Now, we've been talking a lot, a lot on the show about uh, an over-reliance on public health care. Uh, the health minister has talked about this as well and the fact that the system is overburdened. How have low costs uh, to public health care contributed to this? Well, you, you know, as Malaysians, we love things which are given uh, almost as close to free as possible, right? <laughs> so you walk into any health care clinic at the district, you pay a dollar, you pay five dollars, and then uh, you get to see a really good doctor and then you are shipped off with medications worth hundreds of ringgit. Now, everybody loves this. Why would I want to pay more, even if I can pay more, knowing that perhaps a district clinic in my area is not as busy? But in the end, it's not really sustainable because uh, what we do uh, with this is that technically, we are just giving people free access and we're telling people, you can come to us because we are there, because we are not telling people who can afford to go somewhere else. And this is our own double-edged sword, right? We never built our healthcare infrastructure to grow with the population, but yet we are so surprised why it's suddenly overwhelming. But, but this is our own fault. Uh, and I think it's more than timely for the healthcare system reform to actually be, be done now, especially um, for the primary care level. So there are a few elements to consider, right? We have a growing population. We're also moving from an upper middle income to high income nation, although I'm not sure people necessarily feel that on the ground level. Uh, we're also increasingly an aging one. How should all of these elements factor into our healthcare financing system so that we do still meet the greatest number of people who have the greatest need? Well, that's, that's exactly it, right? What you said in your last sentence, the people with the greatest need. So we have to ensure that whatever targeted programs or whatever targeted access to healthcare that we want goes to the targeted group that actually needs this sort of healthcare. Yet you can go in and you can go to the clinic Kesehatan and you can still see 
people driving $300,000 cars parked at the parking lots going on the access to uh, using up the public healthcare system. And this is what's overwhelming the system. So it's not just about uh, revamping uh, how much people need to pay and all these things. But when you talk about healthcare reform, you have to start thinking, should access to public healthcare now be stratified to be given to people who actually can't afford to pay for uh, private healthcare, such as GPs, such as uh, uh, private hospitals and so on. Now you have to start thinking on what type of reforms you want to bring onto the table because Right now, Shamala, you have to think, if I keep going down this model and I go five ringgit or 10 ringgit, people are still going to be able to pay, but you're not going to solve the problem in the long run. It's still going to be overwhelmed, right? But what you want to try to clarify to the public is the public healthcare system are for those who are shut out of the private healthcare so that everybody has access to healthcare. So now you have to start educating the public that please, if you are able to afford private healthcare, go for that, right? Let this be for the people who are unable to afford. However, if you would would still like to use the service of the public healthcare system, you will be charged exactly the same amount as if you go to the private healthcare system. So then you will have a balance, but you have to make sure, yeah, if you charge private healthcare services in a public service facility, you got to make sure you got to provide the same amount of service like a private healthcare system. So it's, it's going to be like a big circle, a big vicious cycle that goes around and around. And that's why I say it's not as simple as just raising prices, right? You have to talk about the complete total reform of our primary healthcare system. Then we have to reset the agenda of what is it that we want to achieve with uh, public healthcare? What is it that we want to target with giving access to healthcare? And who actually are the people we want to allow access to healthcare? Are there examples from other countries who have managed to find a system that actually works for them successfully? Uh, how can we emulate some of these? Well, you, you must understand, right? Uh, everybody says going to a private hospital feels so much better than going to a government hospital, right? I mean, this is an open secret. You feel like you're treated proper and all these things. However, the quality of care, right? the quality of care that you receive in the, uh, in the public is also as good as what you receive in the private. But you're talking about services. Now, the biggest issue with the Ministry of Health is that it is the policymaker, it is also the implementer, and it's also the service provider. And this is where the problem comes in, right? You can't run an efficient ministry if you have to do all those things properly. A ministry should be kept to its toes to develop policies, shaping policies for the nation to improve healthcare system. However, when you talk about service implementation or service provisions, you have to look at models like in the UK, although everybody will say, ah, they have their own set of issues, they have their own set of problems. But you have your health management organization or your NHS, which runs things, right? So they utilize and maximize the use of doctors, right? Not talking only about public facilities, but the use of doctors. So they allocate a certain doctor to cover a certain targeted population in that area. So this doctor is given a grant for a certain year. You cover 5,000 people in this area. And that 5,000 people will see the same GP if they have any issues. And that GP will will have the ability to refer these patients to hospital care if it's needed. So then you have this group of doctors, which are placed everywhere, given a set number of population to take care of. Then you have a decongestion in all these other places. You don't have a spike in one area. You don't have a spike in one clinic because everybody is taking care of the population according to an aggregated number. So these are just certain things that we can look at because in the end, right, what we want is to give and to provide the best 
healthcare to the people. And the best healthcare always starts from primary care. If you are able to see your patients at the primary care level and you are able to give them proper instructions, you're giving them proper advice, you can prevent them from needing secondary or tertiary care. You can prevent your patients from going to the hospital. If they are able to ensure that the medications given to these patients are taken care of, their diabetic is well controlled then you don't have to admit a patient for a diabetic foot ulcer and they need to get their legs chopped off. So you have to look at it from an entire system overview. And going back to our initial question, Shamila, it's not as easy as just raising prices, right? You want to do something, you got to do something really well and you got to make sure that it is sustainable. Not a reactive reaction to something just because you think, oh my goodness, I don't have money now. Maybe I can ask four more bucks from the people and then I'll be okay. But for how long will you be okay? That's a question that uh, no one can answer. So if we were going to move forward with raising prices or, or changing the model in some way, it is going to require very strong and effective communication from the government as to why. After all, we've been operating with the system for a long time. What would you like to see here? Well, I like to see transparency. I think the first thing is just you got to admit that the system that you have is not sustainable. Somebody has to just stand up. And I think KJ has done this. The previous former uh, minister has just stood up uh, on the on the stage when he was presenting his healthcare white paper and said, our healthcare financing model is not sustainable. And th that's a very good step, right? The first one is admitting that there is a problem in our healthcare financing. You have to tell people we are unable to sustain it. However, when you tell people that there is a problem, you got to make sure that there is also solutions that you already have to implement to make sure that access to healthcare can still be maintained. And how would you like to achieve this access to healthcare must be explained to the people. They must be translated. And hence why effective communication from the minister is key here to tell people why this is needed, to tell people why it's important for us to do something so that people don't backlash and say, oh my goodness, with the new government, everything is expensive, right? Not only chickens are going up to the sky, even when you want to get your Panadol, you have to pay so much more. You don't want that sort of reaction. You want people to understand the need for a healthcare financing reform. And this is what is critical. And communication has always been key. And the engagements that you have with people on the ground, you need to make it happen, not just announce it, and then hope people will just say, it's okay, I think it's timely. Speaking of the ministry, um, do you have confidence in the health minister's ability to create a sustainable healthcare system for Malaysia? Yeah, it's, that's a very interesting question. Seems like a trap question. However, I think it's too early for us to be judgmental on the minister, who's uh, for me, is very, very new. What we call it here is just fresh off the boat, right? First time MP, first time minister, hasn't even completed the first 100 days. We don't know the direction of where she's going. But I think rather than putting a lot of emphasis on the minister itself, we have to put emphasis on the ministry. And now the ministry doesn't change. The top guns in the ministry doesn't change. So we have to start asking these people the questions. What are your solutions to a problem that you have seen for so long in your ministry? What are the things that you are doing? Because obviously the ministers act on advice of the top management of any ministry. So these are the people that need to be answerable into telling us what is your direction of the primary healthcare system? What are the changes that you would like to bring in and how can you ensure access to healthcare is still maintained? And whether we have confidence or not, I think it's timely now for us to ensure that the ministry needs to be open to all ideas from all sectors. 
And to sit around, to talk among yourselves, when you be in silo, you may not be able to solve the problems because you may not think that other people are facing the same thing. So when you start having small discussions in your own small group, you always think that your solution is the best. But if you just talk to people outside and then you engage all the other stakeholders that, that are there, then perhaps you can come up with a better solution. And this is why you, no matter what sort of healthcare financing, no matter what sort of um, reform that you want to do, to not include the private GPs is going to be a huge mistake in actually trying to elevate the amount of stress that's happening on the primary healthcare system. Because in the end, patients do not care if it's a public doctor or a private doctor because patients need access to a medical professional. Where it be in a private healthcare setting or in a public healthcare setting, if you can merge and find the perfect public-private partnership in delivering quality healthcare so that you can provide access to healthcare to all levels of society, then you're going to have a system that actually is going to work. So I think the ministry needs to start opening up its doors wider, inviting more people in, start talking on how we can actually solve this problem together from a public and private partnership. Because right now, everyone's jumping their ship. They're leaving the public healthcare service. So the problem is just going to get worse. Now, if you cannot integrate so that you can have a holistic solution for the people, definitely people will lose trust in the public healthcare system. Dr. Farhan, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Assistant Professor Dr. Farhan Rusli, Public Health Medicine Specialist from the International Islamic University of Malaysia. Do keep sending your thoughts through. Do you think we should pay more for public health care? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. We'll be back after this for your messages, so keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Begin Free Malaysia, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about what we pay for public health care. Um, and essentially asking you, do you think we should be paying more? Send your thoughts through. You can call 7733 Send a voice note or WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, to start things off on this side of things, I we do have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, Lee. What are your thoughts? Okay, good evening, BFM. Okay, uh, I was, I'm looking at there are probably people working and if there, there can be a so-so kind of system where people pay a certain sum of money, probably three ringgit, five ringgit, towards this kind of funds and those working are able to finance their own record, uh, medical. Then probably half of the population or the working population will be taken care of by this kind of SOPSO scheme. I call it SOPSO scheme or you can call it a medical scheme or whatever. On the other hand, the the balance of the population that is a retiree or the, the students, then these people can go for the subsidy. That will be very clear. So those who are working, you pay a certain amount for your medical. That's my thought. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, if you'd like to call in um, and share your opinion, that number to call double seven double three two nine hundred. Uh, you can also send us a voice note or WhatsApp to zero one two seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, so Lee's uh, point about uh, a, a sort of, I suppose, a social insurance sort of system um, is one that's come up a fair amount. I think even from people who have suggested it as a solution. Yes. Um, so. 
social insurance is one version. I think others are talking about uh, charging different people different amounts, which then, despite the fact that we haven't read those messages yet, um, have already garnered they haven't garnered responses, but there have been other messages already disagreeing with that. So I think it's a bit of a heated one. Let's see um, what people are saying. So Hasman, um, make it free for senior citizens. Everyone else pays 10% instead of 1%. Sync patient data with LHDN2. Uh, the T20 should pay full board. So, um, uh, an income-based, needs-based system, right? Yes, although I'm not sure that LHDN... I, de- I mean, logically, you would think um, that LHDN would be the, the place to go. And yet, because we know that the tax base in the country is small, um, I'm not sure that they are going to be the... I'm not sure that there's going to be enough information yes. there. So, in contrast, though, we have Kadresen saying, we are already paying a good amount of tax from hard-earned money. It should be channeled to basic needs first. Don't go by income groups to deduct more. Instead, charge a co-payment for every transaction at a local private hospital and then channel it directly to the government. I think this is interesting insofar as co-payments uh, have already come up in, in a few different ways as a possible solution. I, I think I'd like to ask that in general, um, would you be willing to do a co-payment? Mm. Right? Because th- that's a separate question. So one is, would you pay more in a public healthcare setting? And the other is, would you be willing to be charged a co-payment in this style? And... Well, actually, off the top of my head, is that then lining up again with that expectation that you should be able to decide which system you are more suited for based on what your comfort with your financial situation? So that's the idea, right? But then we also have, uh, let's see, this from Patrick, who says... So my reception wasn't good as I was in the car park. Did I hear a claim that well-to-do people utilizing government medical resources is what's clogging the system? I personally think everyone in society is entitled to social welfare, especially the high-income earners, as they are main contributors of perishable income tax. I hope we stop sending messages where the rich are seen to be inconsiderate just because they have other alternatives. They may not, despite the fact that they look like they do. It can be very circumstantial. The system should take care of everyone in this country. So I see where you're coming from, Patrick, um, because I think the most basic way of looking at that is I pay taxes, I should be entitled to free healthcare. Yes. Or or very affordable healthcare. Uh, But the argument there is the system also needs to run in a particular way and and a certain amount of uh, financial buffer is needed for that to happen. Well, uh, I would say actually that I agree that everyone in in society is entitled to social welfare. I don't agree with especially high-income earners. Um, And I think that that maybe comes down to an understanding of, or for me, my personal, my personal belief in why I pay taxes or why I contribute to the country. Part of it, of course, is so that the amenities that I enjoy as a citizen run. Um, The other part of it is an acknowledgement that me paying taxes means that others who don't or can't uh, still enjoy those amenities. And so for that reason, I am actually perfectly okay with um, with a tiered payment system, always paying a little more at times. I would like to know that should anything happen to me, the public welfare, the public healthcare system is of course available. Uh, I don't necessarily think that it should be my first port of call if I am a high income earner. Mm. And 
it is part of that social contract that we are we've we've signed up for, right? In this system, it's part of living in society that you pay taxes. The expectation is that there are these things that are taken care of, not just for the individual, but as a collective good. Um, Stephen is bringing up an interesting point uh, to do with not necessarily affordability, but why people may rely on the public health care system or prefer the public health care system. So Stephen says, I have both company group insurance and personal medical insurance. I go to private healthcare facilities for diagnosis and advice, but in the end, I still go back to government hospitals for second advice. I don't fully trust private healthcare because I've been hearing stories about how people have to go through unnecessary surgeries or procedures, especially knowing that the patient is having um, a high limit medical insurance. Yes, I have personal medical insurance and I don't have to pay a cent for admission, but it's my body. I don't want to go through unnecessary procedures. So, I mean, like we said earlier, I think the way, understanding the way people make choices about where they go and why is very important. I mean, Sue Ng is making, in some ways, an opposite comment uh, to what we heard earlier from Patrick. Sue Ng is saying, Hi, I know people who can afford to see a private GP, but would still go to overcrowded clinic kasihatans and add to the stressed public healthcare system. Few people understand and practice the concept of the Marxist philosophy from each according to his own ability to each according to his needs. There must be a way to prevent abuse of the system. Uh, I mean, that actually is what I was trying to get at with the um, the, the mention of the social contract, that um, it is, uh, or rather, ideally, it should function with the from each according to his own ability, each according to his needs. Um, but blanket solutions, I think, at the moment are not working for us anymore. So perhaps we need to look at something more targeted or more complex. Uh, Madiha is bringing up um, really the, the the nuts and bolts of the system. Madiha says, the cost of public health care has often been touted as one ringgit or five ringgit or even free. The truth is actually it costs far more and it's just very heavily subsidised. This erroneous view requires a mindset, sh- mindset shift because health belongs to everyone, not just to those who can afford it and certainly doesn't belong to just doctors, healthcare workers, insurance holders, or those who can afford private healthcare. We can't pay our way out of sickness no matter how much money we have. So we must stop thinking of healthcare services as being attached to a dollar value and simply co-opt our health entirely to the system every time. Sure, a price must be set, but it will never be right for everyone. Too expensive for the poor, embarrassingly cheap for the rest. Can we truly put a value to how much our health is worth though? I don't think there is a simple answer to that point, Madiha. Um, And I I think that you're right in the suggestion that part of the mindset problem has resulted from the heavy subsidies and therefore we've lost sight in some ways of how much healthcare is supposed to cost. And, And yet I can say that while also holding in my mind at the same time the thought that I'm grateful that for people for whom this is a need, it is available. So I, I, you're right, there is no easy answer when it comes to pricing. I also often think that when we talk about public health care, we forget the public part of it. Um, public health by necessity means that we collectively think of the whole because um, public health is not an individual issue. Um, having a huge swath of our population not being able to access healthcare means other parts of our economy, other parts of our society will suffer. And that's why we need to think of it as a, a whole and not can one person afford or not afford something? Briefly, some people are pro just paying more. 
just saying that the prices across the board should be raised. So Mitch says, a few years ago, I went to the emergency in UH because my heartbeat was about 150 beats per minute and that was due to a cup of strong coffee. So tests were done, including blood tests. I was kept overnight, discharged in the morning. I was shocked as I was billed 20 ringgit or so. I wouldn't mind paying 100 ringgit or more. So yes, government hospitals should charge more. Boy, meanwhile, says, good things don't come cheap. Memang kena night charges, but a reasonable price to sustain. Let's start from 1 ringgit to 5 ringgit, from 10 ringgit to 15 ringgit. If you don't have enough money, at least somebody else can help you pay for it. I believe in my fellow Malaysians. We have zakat as well. We have family. Even a cat needs operations. Uh, and even when a cat needs an operation, people will chip in to help. Um, and uh, I think those are all, I think those are all perhaps points or ways in which to think about this as, again, I come back to, it's a solution that needs to work for everyone and not necessarily something that we think of as, oh, we're taking something away from people by giving something to someone else. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're asking you, do you think we should pay more for public health care? Uh, would you, for instance, be willing to uh, co-pay um, or share in the payment of health care? You can call once again. Double seven double three two nine hundred, uh, WhatsApp or send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bribe free Malaysia. BFM eighty nine point nine. The business station. It is six fifty three. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn, and we've been asking you: Do you think you do you think we should pay more for public health care? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, on this side of things, let's start off with a voice note that we just got from Bing. I, I think the healthcare system is uh, fairly uh, reasonable. The price they charge is fairly reasonable. It's only the waiting time that is slow. You know, perhaps bring back, uh, I mean, the suggestion to have the private sector provide the healthcare for public as well. That, that would be good. But also uh, maybe think about recognizing the uh, other medical, uh, the doctors overseas, Malaysian doctors especially, recognizing their degrees yeah, and uh, the need for housemanship a lot. Because, you know, there are so many talents out there just not coming back here. And talents from here leaving because of the system of our healthcare system, the the protocols and also, you know, the kind of uh, well, what's a nicer word to say? I, I can't. But you guys would know what I mean. You know, qualified people who are not given that kind of merits. Thank you for that, Bing. Um, that's an interesting point about not just what we pay for our system, but the sustainability of the system in terms of keeping expertise or or talent within. Uh, Yes, uh, but I'm not sure that that's speaking directly to the question today about paying more. No, I think it is. I think it's a larger point about healthcare, healthcare reform. reform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, for sure, and I, I get that. Um, I, I, I guess I'm just trying to fit that, fit that into the context of our show today, and think about whether or not having more people come back, for instance, um, or having more doctors available within the system, whether that kind of helps to alleviate some of this. And I think it does to a degree. 
But then we're also hearing about people struggling to find their place within the system and be absorbed. I think it's almost the opposite, isn't it? The 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 our, the healthcare system's inability to accommodate and and to offer more positions for people. Um, is in fact going back to the fact that our financial model isn't currently working. Uh, brain drain, yes, lack of opportunity and all is one thing, but it's also a lack of uh, remuneration, a, a lack of uh, career progression, all of which goes back to the finances here are not yet in place. In If we go back to, uh, let's see, specific suggestions for how we can think about pricing. Uh, William says, I suggest price increase until it's like a GP and then the crowd will divert. The issue of increasing medical fees in public healthcare is a complex one and there are arguments to be made on both sides. On the one hand, increasing fees could help to improve the quality of care provided as more funding would be available for upgrading facilities and equipment, hiring additional staff and improving training programs. On the other hand, higher fees could make healthcare less less accessible to those who are already struggling. Ultimately, the decision on whether to increase medical fees in public healthcare should be based on a careful consideration of benefits and drawbacks and a determination of what is in the best interest of the public. It may also be important to consider alternative approaches like increasing funding um, through other means rather than relying solely on increased fees. And in many ways, William, I think that's a pretty neat summary of um, the various arguments that have been put through. The only thing I would, I, I guess throw back to you in some ways is when we talk about the best interest of the public in the context of public health care which is wide ranging and long term I think that can sometimes be very very hard to identify because you're talking about something that on the one hand you're trying to talk uh, the word we keep using is sustainability so you're trying to build a sustainable system that's going to last for ages on the other hand, people are still getting sick. People are still going to hospitals every day. People are still unable to pay every day. So you have to support both sides. Yes, um, I agree. I think that, um, which is again why a number of the suggestions are not really... Um, sort of, for instance, let's increase the prices across the board. Instead, people are talking about more nuanced approaches. Uh, Bhavan, for instance, says public hospitals should start charging people according to their pay scale, B40, M40. The T20 who get public care should get charged full amount. I, I read that advisedly, knowing we've already gotten some messages with people contesting that and saying, well, that's not fair. Dr. Fahan, I mean, not the first part, but the issue of uh, the T20 is something that he brought up earlier as well, that if you can afford it and you go to the public healthcare system, because uh, as we heard earlier from Stephen, I believe that he still has more faith in the public healthcare system um, to provide care that is necessary and not overboard, then you pay what you would have paid in a private institution. So it's, it's not, I think, a terribly controversial uh, point. But I think maybe the fear comes from the fact that when we're talking about full amount, uh, we don't know what that actually means. When we talk about B40, M40, mm. what are we talking about? So am I? are we arguing that M40 pays 500, for example, which is not tenable? And also back to that point of um, how do we monitor this? By what system uh, does every person who go into a public facility now have to, I don't know, provide a card, some form of uh, proof of income? You know, So there are a lot of layers there in terms of uh, just administratively, how are we going to put that in place? Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. We'll get back to them after, this, after the seven o'clock news. We're asking you, do you think we should pay more for public health care? Uh, you can call 777 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018 789 
tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we are continuing to get suggestions, thoughts, um, dissenting or, um, you know, supporting. So keep them coming and we will discuss them more after this. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about the cost of healthcare and asking you, should we be paying more for public healthcare? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Uh, we do have this voice note that's just come in. Hi there, my name is Dr. Zainal. I'm actually a specialist in a government hospital. Um, I do agree with the idea that, uh, or the motion that the payment should be increased. At least, uh, I think we should, the, the payment is long overdue to be doubled. Now people are paying one ringgit for outpatient and ED visit, five ringgit for the uh, specialist clinic visit. And this is a very, very low rate for the amount of uh, cost that, that the government need to subsidize the cost of the medication, the cost of the service, and even more, uh, the bottom line of all these problems are actually money. Uh, the bottom line is money. We need more money to 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 uh, maintain um, our services. We need more money to pay the doctors, the nurses, the medical uh, assistants. Um, we are seeing a huge gap between the public sector and the private sector in terms of salary. More and more people are leaving the public healthcare to work in the private sector. Uh, and this is detrimental um, in the long run. And something needs to be done. And I agree, money is one of the biggest factors. Dr. Zainal, thank you for your thoughts. Um, some very important and, and quite sobering facts being brought up there. Yes, and an on-the-ground perspective, mm. which I think is very important. Um, we Let's look at the others who agree that uh, paying more would be a good thing. Uh, Ling says, access to public health care is for everyone. One ringgit is way too low uh, for hospitals. At least 50 ringgit consult and charges for diagnosis should be passed on to the rakyat. Clinic kesehatan, perhaps 20 ringgit per visit. Stop making public hospitals appear to have no value. All the good healthcare workers also need to feel pride in their work. Oh, that's such a good point. The stop making public hospitals appear to have no value goes hand in hand with something a number of people have brought up today, which is that the assumption or the the, the pushing of the narrative that it is free um, often comes hand in hand with exactly that, that we don't take it um, for what it's worth, that in it is free and therefore it's not as good. It is free and therefore um, it's not as good and we don't necessarily have to give it um, work on improving it, for instance. Let's talk a bit about uh, Ling's suggested prices because 50 ringgit consult and charges, uh, clinic kesehatan 20 ringgit per visit. I think that my knee-jerk reaction is to say that some part of this feels too high for me, particularly if you're talking about people with larger families um, where you're paying for more consultations, where you're paying for more visits, uh, whether it matters if it's a repeat visit, if you're talking about chronic illnesses. I, I think that those sorts of things need to be considered. I agree, though, that if you're talking about creating value or the perception of value, then that's, I suppose, roughly where the price tag would start. I also think something like this needn't be a across-the-board solution, right? Like this could be 
a system that we put in place and then there could be tiers. There could also be, for instance, uh, uh, complemented by a social insurance scheme, which means that um, if people feel that this is high for them, there is a safety net that they could rely on to then to, to mitigate that gap. But I do like the idea that we need to start thinking of our system as not being something that we assume will forever be free. Let's talk about that point about insurance and how it can be done or coming up with that kind of system. So uh, Samuel says, all hospitals in Malaysia should be semi-private or semi-government, make medical insurance compulsory deduction from EPF, like how Singapore does with the CPF. Anyone um, earning above 5K should pay full board, keep it free for retirees and uh, those and people with disabilities and those earning below 5K. And, uh, and that makes the point about tax, that the tax doesn't translate to free medical only, it's also for the infrastructure structure. Uh, Cheryl is saying that uh, Malaysian employee contributions to SOCSO should be tweaked to be the equivalent of medical insurance in the public health setting. The amount contributed would be equivalent to private insurance medical and that amounts contributed to SOCSO should be channeled to public health or government hospitals. If Samuel mentioned Singapore, Yen is saying Australia, uh, maybe consider what they're doing, whereby people who earn higher than a certain threshold should buy private health insurance, which allows them to access faster service at private hospitals and other benefits. If they don't buy private health insurance, they pay higher income tax. Um, all of which are models, I think, that have been done to varying degrees, as you said, in a number of countries, to varying degrees of success as well, to be fair. Um, but yes, definitely things that we could be looking towards. Um, I I also see I also think that this requires a mindset shift right because um, when you say something is taken out of your income of course it means that you're going to be le- getting less um, what's the word net pay every month um, and whether that's something that we can learn to think about as an investment in our health and in our well-being for the long term rather than oh I'm losing a certain amount a month because I'm being forced to put it into this social insurance. Um, In the meantime, though, I I also wanted to take a quick look at the people talking about medication, the cost of medication. So um, Stephen says, I would propose public health care charge for disposables and medicine at cost price, nothing more. There are two benefits. Firstly, more sustainable health care system. Secondly, you provide transparency to the Rakyat on how much MOH pays for these items. The B40 can apply for a waiver, of course. That is an interesting one. Um, I I do think that... Um, medication, particularly long-term treatments and long-term reliance on medication from the public healthcare system, is one of the one of the aspects where we really see the difference in terms of how much cheaper this is from the public healthcare system. Um, Cost price, I think, is fair, but I go back to what you said earlier, Lynn, whether that's something that everyone across the board can sustain and whether it would mean that we'd be excluding people from the system. Meanwhile, Miko says, I heard that a lot of people actually don't take their medicine and let it get expired and go to waste. Maybe impose some reasonable and affordable charges for medication so that people don't take it for granted and are more appreciative and compliant to the prescribed medication, which would then also make healthcare more sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an... you know, it, it goes back to that that idea of um, when something is free, it's often easy not to think about it too much. Um, and wastage really is something that gets brought up a lot in terms of medication and our healthcare system. Uh, do keep those thoughts coming. Do you think we should pay more for public health care? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for more of your thoughts. So keep it here. BFM 89.9. Brave, free, Malaysia, BFM 89.9.
89.9, the business station. It is 7.18. You're listening to uh, Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are asking you, should we be paying more for public health care? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have um, a number of thoughts coming through um, on the issue of uh, the system itself and leakages. So... Um, S.H. Bong, for instance, says, no, we shouldn't pay more because we already pay income tax. The problem is leakage in the government coffers. Meanwhile, Madi says, I think you're missing the elephant in the room. The Ministry of Health is one of the big items in our budget. Many facilities and services could be provided for if there wasn't leakage in the contracts and services and capital expenditure. Check the auditor's report. Okay. Uh, I, I think that there's something there, uh, particularly in terms of looking carefully at where the spending is going and how it is that we could be doing it in a more efficient way. I think in general, across all the ministries, uh, across everywhere, this is a good way of thinking. However, uh, when it comes to public health care and the social contract and the welfare of people, I don't feel, personally, I will just say this, I don't feel a resistance to paying more and I pay income tax. So I, I, I personally don't agree with that. I also think that even just listening to the amount that we pay, one ringgit, five ringgit, that is an incredibly low amount. That is an incredibly low amount to pay for I'm the ha- kind of services that are being provided. So to be clear, I'm happy that some people can access the exactly. service at that price. I personally would not want to. If given an option to pay more, I would. Um, it's like the one of our listeners said earlier, I can't remember who, um, about going to the hospital and being shocked that they will only charge 20 ringgit and that they would be willing to pay up to 100 ringgit. I think that's actually something that we should be talking more about. Um, uh, an awareness of what is a reasonable amount to pay and what we can afford. Um, and perhaps that's where these sorts of, um, that's where this notion of conversation and public education also should come in. You know what though, uh, if there's one thing that today's show has taught me, it is that the communication to the public, should there be a reform in terms of how we price our healthcare and how we think about it, is going to be in short, complicated. <laughs> we have um, a number of different suggestions. This one's quite uh, a sweet one, I suppose, especially given recent um, news. Nikki says, come up with a menu Rapma for private clinics dealing with normal cough and flu, diabetes, hypertension, follow-up and so on. I like that. Um, I especially like that if it's going to be clear who is participating because you don't want to have to go um, and then suddenly realise that it's that five ringgit option isn't there. But I think in a neighbourhood clinic setting, I think this makes a lot of sense. The equivalent of, I suppose, in other countries, free clinics for particular kinds of services. Uh, we also have, um, let's see, Colin saying there are several layers to finance public health uh, to financing public health care. My suggestions are cost control of private health care to reduce costs for health insurance, provide grants for outpatient clinics, increase income tax rebates for health insurance to push more towards private. Mm, interesting. Um, and and those are more specific, right, in terms of contrasting private and public health care and making it clear to people perhaps what options they should be taking. So keep those thoughts coming. Can oh. I just say though, um, this message from Ling, I think really puts it in perspective. Oh, it just came in. I, yes, I almost um, didn't see. Ling says, going to the toilet in KLCC costs more than service in the government hospital. Imagine that. Well, on that thought... 
you can keep telling us what you think. Should we be paying more for public health care? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.